Once again, don't leave it to the judges podcast. I'm here, my main man, Patty Broke a Skull. Patty, how's it hey, going, buddy? What is going on, Samurai? It is another week of no MMA fights, man. As unfortunate as it is, we still bring you a podcast. So whatever you're going to be missing out on combat sports this weekend might have been also this coming weekend might have been too fulfilled this last weekend with the Chris Rock versus Will Smith battle, of course. You know, but people are forgetting. <laughs> Not only was Will Smith slapping Chris Rock on a stage doing jokes, but Paulie Shore got smacked in the face by some comedian in the audience who was easily two times the size of Will Smith, and no one's talking about it. Does that show a divide in celebrity? I think so, because it could have easily been Paulie Shore making those jokes up there uh, at Will Smith's wife's expense, but uh, apparently he's not famous enough because anybody can make a G.I. Jane joke. Let's be honest, that's low-hanging fruit. And it is not fuzzy fruit. It is bald fruit, much like Jada's head. We can move past it now. Um, <clears throat> nobody's also talking about the fact that George Masvidal and Colby Covington basically did the same thing. You know, it's the same thing, except for he got a two-piece. What they are talking about is the fact that Colby didn't go down. He didn't go down. He ate those punches, which, again, who gives a shit? Why is that? I mean, that's just the dumbest thing. It's like, hey, he got hit by a car, didn't die. What the fuck? I mean, come on. Why is there so such an extreme within this shit? What is going on with people that are in the limelight, in the celebrity world to a degree, whether it be a fighter, a singer, or a fucking stand-up comedian, actor? Why are they all going nuts, Sam? What's what's happening? I don't know, man, but I'm very upset that I missed this Paulie Shore uh, getting smacked. Oh, it, was great. it was so good. He literally leaves, dude. He literally just walks off stage. He's like, fuck. Oh. And it was a huge dude with a cowboy hat on, so you know he's good at an open palm slap. Ask his wife. Now, <laughs> come on, dude. This oh, no, is that's off limits these days. No talking about wives. So, yeah, man. This, you know, I used to like in a world we used to live in where stuff used to be funny. You can make fun of shit. Everybody was a target. Everything was a target. And now, Absolutely. you know, Chris Rock, he fucking ruined it, dude. He ruined it. By putting out his own apology. Yeah. And yeah. apologizing for being rude. Come yeah. the fuck on, man. I, Do not apologize. You don't want to get smacked, puss. I, there, there has to be some sort of a weird turn where he's like, I'm apologizing at the fact that the joke wasn't even worth being smacked in the face. Like, he, he even after he gets smacked, he goes, I got smacked in the face. Will Smith just smacked the shit out of me. And then he says, uh, I could. And he stops himself. He stops himself from finishing the I could. He goes, Maybe it's just a cycle. Will Smith smacks him, and he goes to the joke writer and fucking smacks him. And that guy goes to his assistant, just a a smacking all the way down the board. I honestly, dude, I the thing that concerned me more about this is when Will starts walking towards him, Chris is laughing, and he calls him, he nearly calls him Richard, which is the character that he played in the Serena Williams, Venus Williams, you know, the thing that he won the award for. Why? Is Will Smith transitioned deeply into a character like Heath Ledger, like Joaquin Phoenix? What's going to happen? Is Will Smith pretending to actually be this? These two girls, you know what I mean? Like showing up he's at like, their house, and it's because he's like, my actual kids are fucking strange. Serena and Venus are grown ladies. I'll pretend to be their dad. That's fine. This is more comforting for me. This is easy. He's like Jaden and Willow are fucking nuts. <laughs> but enough of that. 
we got actual fights to cover, man. And it is unfortunate. There's no fights this weekend. Maybe we'll have some sort of crazy award show that we could see two celebrities fight. I don't know. I just think that the next undercard of a Jake Paul fight might feature a Will Smith bout. We'll see. We'll see how much of that training in Ali actually paid off because he still slapped a grown man. I mean, a slap is very Italian. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> you know what it I mean? It could it's feature not... a Pauly Shore fight. That's for sure. That's true. Yeah, Pauly Shore versus Chris Rock. Fuck it. We'll just take the two victims. <laughs> there you go. That'll work. <laughs> All right, so you and I I'm sure my enough. fucking age, man. I'm a day where Pauly Shore was the famous comedian. That's what I mean. Yeah, it's <laughs> weird. It's just a weird flip. Um, and you also, you also came from a time where jokes were okay, no matter the circumstance. Mm-hmm. You could just be funny for the sake of being funny. God damn, and it's only going to get worse. Can you imagine the future? Holy shit. Because that's a, that's a top guy. That's a top guy being slapped by a fucking top guy, essentially. Guys that kind of have power in this world of celebrity and fame. It's like, ugh, what's going to happen, dude? But enough of that, guys. This isn't yo MMA raps. We talk actual MMA shit, you know? That was a fight. So I guess we should just say this is a fight recap show. We'll just start talking go. about any kind of fights. Uh, so first round, George Masvidal versus Covington. No, we both did very well in this card, though. We killed it, okay? We got quite a few people in this group, and I'm very happy with that. It was like nine people. And, uh, you know, unfortunate for Iron Balls, he doesn't have an iron brain. You know, he's not picking these well, just terrible picks. Um, everybody had a lot of losses, though. Like even us being like one, two, three, top shit, still at least five losses which shows you the kind of card this was. It's like it, there were so many fights that were surprising. They could go either way. And then the judges, too. I was very surprised by several of the judges' calls. I'm like, Jesus Christ, really? <laughs> I saw that the other way completely. Um, there were some fights that I missed uh, sort of the ending to, like uh, the Makwan Amir Khani last week. Didn't see that at all. Too fast. Um, but, yeah, seven and five, dude. I think you did, what, six and something? Eight and we were both seven and five. We were tied you go, for second place. You and I were tied. That's right. Yeah, so yeah. Hit, uh, Sam and I did the same, seven and five. I wonder if we got the same picks wrong or it was vice versa. Let's go through no, this. No. So we got our Luis Saldana versus Bruno Sa- uh, Souza. That was the first fight. Good fight, dude. Fun fight. Uh, sort of action-packed. There was some there were some <clears throat> lulls in it, of course, where things are like, uh, I don't know who's winning. And also, I forgot which one was Saldana. So... <laughs> Just a fun fight to open the card, I think, you know, unanimous decision win for Saldana. What'd you think? Well, this was, um, Saldana threw a lot of counter strikes and I thought he won round one and three, but I really thought this could go either way. Yeah. And, and the Absolutely. thing that got me is, you know, uh, Souza was coming forward. I, I think I've discovered something about Michael Bisping. Whoever's coming forward, that's who he thinks winning is winning the fight. Try to try to pay attention to that next time. Because that's how he fights. That's how Mike fights. So of course he's gonna see it that way. So I was going forward. He was shit talking uh Saldana the whole damn fight. He's behind, he needs to do something to catch up. And I'm like, dude, what the hell is he watching? I don't that's not what I'm seeing. And that's not what the judges saw. But I think yeah. the, the judges uh all went the same way of oh, 29-28. I think they, they seen it. Saldana won round one and three, didn't win round two, and uh yeah, man, I I uh that's how it went. I'd, I'd pick Sidonia, actually. So, wait, who the hell's Sidonia? It's Saldana or Souza? <laughs> Saldana, man. Saldana. Okay, okay. Saldana, I was going to say, it sounds like, sounds like oh, both gosh. of them sort of mixed together, and I didn't. I wasn't yeah. sure. But yeah, he put them together. You can't lose. <laughs> he was the actual underdog, though, oddly enough. Mm-hmm. And I feel like he even had the more experience in the UFC. He was 15 and 7, or Souza was 10 and 2. But who's been in the UFC longer? Probably Saldana, right? I think uh, I've seen him more often. Yeah, anyway, I think so. 
you got uh Matthias Nikolau versus David Dvorak in this one. I think we both went Dvorak. Sort of yeah. a mistake, but it did feel like he was winning. He, he's very technical in his strikes. He's got he's got good stand up. He's I don't know. I think it's a a cardio thing again, where he wants to get it out, get it over with sort of early, and he's whiffing too many shots, and he's making himself tired and more susceptible. I'm not saying that does, that doesn't mean maybe Nikolau is just a better fighter. I'm simply saying that Dvorak's just as good. This was another one of those fights where you're like it could go either way. I'll go either fighter, honestly. But what a win. I mean, so, another unanimous decision. Matthias takes it, you know. So here's how I saw this fight. The first round, no one touched anybody. The first round, they just looked at each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot so, going around. I don't know how the hell you score the first round. I really don't. Because it was like, I, I, I kind of wonder how many strikes there were thrown the whole round. But it wasn't many. Most right. of that fight, like, three minutes down, no one had touched anyone. I don't even think anybody had thrown a strike, like, three minutes into the fight. So Absolutely. the first round, I don't know how you score that. The second round, Dvorak, he got hurt. He got clipped pretty good with the punch. And then the third round, he was the aggressor. And I, I thought maybe maybe he could have won the first round because he stood in the middle of the cage with the uh, Nicolau just went like side to side. And yeah. like, how can you, that's like the third criteria it comes down to is cage control. So I, I thought Dvorak won in my opinion, but... You don't leave it to the judges. So. Absolutely. We got to say it every time in the podcast, mm -hmm. much like in a movie, they get their own title. Is that That's a right. poltergeist? Absolutely. The, uh, the next fight was very surprising. I was very happy with Jennifer Maya in the way that she came out. She was super aggressive. She came forward. She wanted the fight, man. Uh, I, I kind of trashed her a little bit in the, in the last episode because I, I've just never seen her perform to that degree where it's like you, you look like you fucking want it. You know, the enthusiasm that I wanted to hear in Curtis Blade's voice is what Jennifer <laughs> Maya came out and fought like. And she still lost, mm -hmm. but I like that right there gives you a reason to support her, to be like, I at least want to see her again. Don't get her, you know, even somebody like Dana White, who's been doing this for so many years, has to see that same thing. Mick Maynard and them have to see the same thing where they're like, she, she fucking came in there and wanted to fight. She was looking to fight. She did everything she could to win and it didn't go her way. Fine. Let's see what she can do again. She's a decent enough name. She's more. She's obviously improved to, to, to I mean, uh, Ferrat is nasty. We all know this. So for Maya to even survive was mm. impressive. Well, I think you hit the nail on the head, man. Uh, Jennifer Maya, she was came out and was aggressive as she could be. And Ferrat, she usually kind of stands there and throws those side kicks and then tears you apart. And she did that. She did that with Maya. But uh, Maya... You know, she swung through a lot of those kicks and landed a few times, but Farad is just, she is nasty. I mean, we'll go to the next test, and we'll see how far she goes. I'm kind of curious how far she can go. Uh, I mean, she, she proved she kind of has a chin a little bit there in that fight, too. I mean, she, she took a couple punches. Uh, right. There was one time she got hit pretty good by Maya, and I'm like, whoa, shit. This might be, if Maya throws, you know, like pours it on, she might be in some trouble, but... Yeah, man, she uh, she didn't have, you know, it was a test for her, and I thought she looked pretty good. I didn't think Maya looked bad at all, uh, considering she survived all of Farad's. She made Farad look like she didn't have as much power as we normally see out of Farad. Farad usually kind of tears people apart. Well, I think that also means that uh, Jennifer Maya has a chin, which it just takes yeah. the right coaching, I think, to put everything together and be like, well, this is where you're most successful. This is where you're sort of falling behind, but you're getting better. Let's keep improving those areas because if you can at least take those shots, man, you, you can't go in there and be a Cody Garbrandt. 
You know what I'm saying? You have to have a chin at the fucking very least. Have a chin in any division. And, you know, no matter how many knockouts we see in female divisions, you still need a chin. Okay. Because an elbow hurts from anyone. <laughs> you know what I mean? You've never got an elbow from somebody and been like, huh. I mean, if you were a dude, that probably would have hurt a lot. You're like, no, it's a fucking elbow. It, it hurts regardless. Knees, kicks, they're all bad. Some people don't have the punching power, but by God, you take a shin to the chin. Good night. You know, um, dude, this next this next guy, we got to figure out how to say his name correctly because we're going to be saying it quite a bit. All right. Uh, Ali Ashkab, uh, Kizriv, right? Kizriv. Sounds good to me. Very, co- very close. He needs a nickname. Uh, 14-0 now. Uh, 98% win with this dude. He was the biggest favorite on the entire card. That in itself says a lot because he's a new guy and he's fighting a guy that still doesn't have a picture, even though the fights have already happened. Uh, probably already gone out of the UFC, if I'm being honest. They found a dude at Walgreens. We need someone. Uh, but whoever this Walgreens fellow was, he came in and he lasted longer than anyone expected. But we did see the, this outcome coming. And boy, oh boy, is it not a Russian takeover of the UFC? I mean, since Khabib came in and fucking slammed everybody on their heads and screamed at you while he beat you, telling you to quit. I'm the champ. You should give up. I mean, that's horrifying from a guy who's 5'7". <laughs> you, know, you know, that's terrifying where he's that confident. Just give up, friend. Stop it. You're still calling me friend. Don't do that. that that's somehow scarier. <laughs> uh, but ever since that, I mean, even Fedor Emelianenko, guys like that sort of set this precedent of being a fighter from russia igor vochanson there's so many fucking names that i can remember bro where it's like those were my favorite fighters it's not rashad evans anderson conor mcgregor it's dudes like fedor Emelianenko. like i said igor vochanson these motherfuckers that came in were like i'm just gonna try to kill you and i'm gonna do it with this face that i looks like i just stopped reading (laughs) you know like i just put a book down like that's how comforting how comfortable they were in all of these moments and you're like that's what i like Okay, and these guys are in the UFC now taking the fuck over. And all it does to me is it's like I knew it was coming, but it makes you kind of upset that we didn't see the era of because it is so many fucking unanswered questions about that dude. It's so hard for us to be fans, specifically me, to sit here and say he he is or was the greatest heavyweight in MMA history. I can't say that for sure. And it's only because he didn't step foot in the octagon. I mean, we can all sit here and certainly agree that Michael Jackson was a shitty, <laughs> shitty fighter because he did get in the UFC. Okay? <laughs> you know what I mean? Anything before that. I don't care how many wins he has as a kickboxer or whatever the fuck he used to. I, as soon as you stepped in the UFC and you lost to a guy who came from the WWE, <laughs> I'm out. Well, technically, Anyways, uh, he just laid so, on top of him the whole. But, yeah, yeah no contest. But, uh, yeah, man, this was uh, – that guy – this guy's insane. Uh, Kiz Reeve. Second round uh, submission. It he was just quicker in all areas. I mean, it was not much of a contest. <laughs> Striking takedowns. It, he was just quicker on all aspects of MMA. And what is so special and so different about these guys' approach, like a Kamzat, their approach to being on the microphone or after they win. There's a level of confidence that's like it doesn't come off as cocky or they're portraying a character when they say, "I won everybody." Because of what you saw them do in the cage. You're like, I saw, I mean, yeah, I'd like to see you go against everyone. That'd be great. You know, and that's why, you know, Michael Kies is saying the thing about call out somebody. You're like, that's cheesy as fuck, dude. It's been mm-hmm. cheesy since it started to ask low level fighters on the fucking middle of the card who they want next or, or asking, asking a guy who just won by unanimous decision with his eye hanging out of his head. You're like, who'd you <laughs> like to see next? 
<laughs> like, bitch, I'm going home. <laughs> I don't want to be here right now. Get the mic out of my face. We know you're sweating in that suit, Daniel. Just, well, I don't know when this all came about because you'd come in there and you would ask the guys like something individually to them. Yeah. Like, you know, how was the, the fight? Hey, you know, hey, we heard you were, um, had a tough time two weeks ago in your training camp. Such and such happened. Blah, blah, blah. And now it's the same fucking thing. It's like no one wants to do any research. Same four questions, same four questions dude. It's, Nobody's it's, improvising. Nobody's hmm. being there in real time. They've all been like Joe Rogan was probably the most natural to just be on the microphone like that because he is a comedian. He has that thing of, you know what I mean? Like having the mic in his mouth, he's performing. That's what mm -hmm. he's got to do. Whereas hiring Bisbing and Cormier and Felder, it's like these guys have a script now. There's a specific yeah. thing they're required to do every time they're in there. And with that, so that way the fighter even knows you're closing out. I mean, how many fucking times do you see somebody try to grab the mic just to say a little extra? Mm. Like, come but, on, uh, man. Who do you want to see next? And when can we expect you in the octagon again? Yeah. And what do they expect the guys to say? Oh, uh, man, um, fucking, um, I made so much money from this fight. I'll yeah. see you in three years. No, yeah. no one's ever going to fucking say that. They're all saying the same shit. Oh, you can say, ah, I'll come in this motherfucker next week. I'll come yeah. in tonight. Set me up a fight tonight. Come, come the it's fuck like, on. What they're really saying is, if I don't fight, I don't get to feed my family. So... As soon as possible, please. Mm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, Terrence McKinney can now take some time off, for sure. He can take some time off and actually train a full camp as soon as he's ready. Mm. He made enough money to where he can just hang out. But you know house, what they're telling him. Dana White's call. probably calling him up. Hey, you don't want to take too much time because you want people to forget all about that knockout ASAP. Yep. So we need you back ASAP. When can you come? <laughs> can you, could, you go, could you go up to 170? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, just ridiculous shit. Who would I fight? I don't know. We'll find someone. You don't even have one. Anyone. Sons of bitches. Uh, Chris, Gutierrez, uh, Chris Gutierrez versus uh, Ban Tegaro, uh, the Nas. I mean, you saw it. So, you saw it. Wow. I'm wowing him like Chris Rock when he got slapped. Wow, dude. Anyways. So I was just going to say, the funny thing about this, he had that spinning attack, a knockout in the second round. But what I find wild is uh, it was it's – the Mongolian man, uh, how he said his name just now, he it was like he was expecting that spinning attack to come because the first round, it came, he backed up perfectly, beautifully, picked uh, Chris Gutierrez up and slammed him right on the ground, you know, like a, a belly-to-back suplex, just bam. And then the second round, it's like he forgot all about it was coming and fucking knocked his ass right out. And he looked pretty good standing up until then. Yeah, absolutely. It was a good fight. It was a fun fight. It was one of those where you're like, I don't know, it could, could kind of go either way. These guys are both doing very well. And then Gutierrez pulls it up, made a name. People are going to pay attention. We'll see what he does in his next fight. Sarah McMahon, uh, uh, Carol Rosa. This frustrated me very, very much because Sarah McMahon won this fight. There's no doubt about it. But the thing that frustrated me was when someone's laying on top of someone for four minutes in one round, Stand them the fuck up, man. I don't understand why the referee wouldn't jump in there and be like, okay, got to get some action or you need to stand up. It's not. Okay, yeah, we can put a lot of blame on the, the referees for sure. But you have to put a lot of blame, too, on the fighter. Like, you guys do not understand what makes you an impressive fighter. It's not being boring. It's not no action. You know what I mean? It's like... Oh, what, what makes Dragon Ball Z good? The dialogue? No. 
The fucking action. Oh, what makes NASCAR good? The cars? No, nah. Some the cracks. Okay? You're being selfish in that way. It's it's that it's being selfish of taking a risk. I get it that you want to go in there and get the win, take uh, avoid as much damage as you can, but you're also being selfish in the fact that you're not risking it for the fact you have fans. You have people that have paid money to come see you, and you're like, I got to get this easy win so I can still stay in the UFC, blah, blah, blah. It is what it is, man. Be boring if you want to fucking be boring, but you won't be around. Well, she she said on her. And she said on her. And, you know, Carol Rose, is, she takes the blame, too. You got to get the fuck up. You got to find a way when someone's on top of you for four minutes in the first round. The first two rounds, she was just basically on top of her. You got to find a way to get the hell up. And uh, there is a tactic where... You just hold the person so they don't, they're not hitting you, and you wait for the referee to stand you up. And that guy, that's the first time I've even seen that ref. I don't know yeah. who the hell he was, but, yeah, he wasn't coming in and standing anybody up. He didn't give a shit. But, uh, all right, so the next fight, um, um, Mark Diakis. This guy, you want to talk about someone sitting on top of someone? <laughs> so, the dude had, he did what he had to do. He fought a kickboxer, uh, Borshev. And, uh, yeah, he wasn't taking any chances standing up. He used his wrestling and dominated him with his wrestling. And he kind of took a, advantage of a Borshev, the kickboxer, coming in. Uh, I'm going to wait for somebody to try to do this with the, um, Alex Pereira. Was, you know, yeah, did, absolutely. Absolutely. Perfect. And perfect see what happens. Absolutely. Now, okay, when we talked about this fight previously, I had told you about Dia Casey and the way that he fought. And we kind of knew about Borshev. And we, we just assumed this was going to be a stand-up fight. Yes, for sure. This right here, it was one of those where I'm like, I don't care who wins. I'm just taking uh, Borshev for the fact of being interesting, okay? Whereas, not myself personally, but for us picking the fights, you know, that's interesting to me and probably you as well. Because I also said, hey, Dia Casey hasn't fought consistently. He's a little of a smaller guy. I don't know how well this is going to be out for him. There's a lot of ups and pros and cons for both guys, but I was like, ah, I'll take Borshev. But Dia Casey... You can see that he has good coaches, and he was fighting with a strategy where it's like, I can stand with this guy. I can box with him, but I'm going to win this fight. I have to be strategic. And there's a lot of guys that don't play that part or a lot of coaches that won't play that part. They just say, do you? We're not going to watch tape. Yeah, what, you know what I'm saying? And this was very professionally done. I was very happy with the way that he went in, and people were severely sur uh, surprised by you know, Dia Casey's tactic being that he is also a stand-up fighter because they're like, oh, well, we're going to stand and bang. It's the same thing that I said about Tom Aspinall versus Francis Ngannou. If this happens, he could take him right now. Tom Aspinall could be a perfect challenge for Ngannou right now simply because he's going to fight with the strategy. He's not going in there to fucking make a highlight reel. He's going to do, to win, you know, and, and some of these guys don't have that same thing. So I was very impressed with Dia Casey. I'm very curious to see what's next, who they're going to put him against next. All right, and then Neil Magny, Max Griffin, this was uh, the same way, man. I, I thought I thought Neil Magny, even though I picked him, I thought he lost rounds one and two. Max Griffin was the aggressor. He he was uh, you no know, had some power shots, and I thought he looked good in there. And I thought Neil Magny lost his fight, but you don't leave it to the judges, Absolutely. as we say. But uh, yeah, I thought Max Griffin looked pretty good actually. I thought he come off looking looking great. But we can't hear it and decent. still get these, these assholes that have been in the fucking UFC this kind of credit when they're getting a split decision this late in their career. That is unacceptable, dude. That's enough for me as Dana White to be like, well, go somewhere else. What do we need? What, you know what I'm saying? It's just difficult to sell that, to sell it to somebody to, who, who wants to fight you. But be like, you, you should take on Neil Magny. You might lose by a split decision. 
When, when you watched that fight, did you think Neil Magny had won that? I'll be honest, dude. Um, it was just boring. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those where it's just I'm walking back and forth. I'm doing other things. I got gotcha. I, I had a feeling because it's it's a Neil Magny thing also being a vet that he's going to fight strategic regardless. That's just going to be his thing. He's not going in there to try to put a, you know, fucking flying arm bar on. It's just mm. not going to happen. And and he's it's it was smart, dude. But I, I kind of bring that up because of the Kai Kara France and Oscar Oskarov. It's like, sure, we can all be impressed by Kai Kara France having a great performance, but you can't make the argument should he have a title fight. It wasn't impressive enough. Finish him, dude. Finish him. Okay? That's why it's a little annoying that that fucking creepy little Diego uh, Fajardo, the fucking stupid asshole that's somehow the champion again, thinks that he should take on Kai Kara France instead of <laughs> Brendan Moreno. Because as boring as a fourth fight will be, Moreno deserves that. Because he shouldn't have lost. You see what I'm saying? I know exactly what you're saying, man. I was going to bring all this up. Uh, this, this was a... Uh, I had no idea who won this fight when I watched it. I didn't have a fucking clue. So whoever wins this fight, good for them. Who gives a shit? Because Absolutely. this fight... <laughs> there wasn't... Anyway. But the thing I wanted to bring up is... Uh, after uh, Figueredo saw this fight... He had to come up with some lame bullshit. Oh, um... Uh, Dana, I'm gonna read. I'm gonna fucking read a little bit from from what he wrote. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to fight Brandon Moreno for the fourth time because I know this is what the fans want. Until his team crossed the line with racist comments, calling me a monkey, and even going to the extent of photoshopping a monkey's face on top of mine. You know what I'm talking about. When all this happened, I went on a campaign to stop racist and prejudice in my city where it's predominantly Indians and Blacks. As the UFC champion of the world, I would ask you to consider my wish. I wish to fight the next contender in line. Care of France, who earned his spot. Hashtag stop the racism. Hashtag we are one. Dude, what a okay, crock of shit. Before you say your thing, I just want to say, right. how's it racist if he actually just looks like a monkey? <laughs> He just looks like a fucking monk. What do you mean, dude? What do you mean? How is that racist, though? Because you, I mean, you didn't even have to put, you could Google monkeys right now and find someone that looks like Davison Figueroa. I guarantee it. You wouldn't have to Photoshop his face on it. He's shaped like him. He kind of moves like a monkey. He's, what's wrong with that also, dude? You're shredded as fuck. What are you, what's your insecurity? You ain't got enough money? You don't got enough oxes to wrestle? What the fuck is the problem? Where it's like, you're going to be so cheesy and think that as a fighter, you somehow have enough clout to be like, I get to pick and shoot. Brendan Moreno for sure is more popular, I believe. I I, I can almost guarantee Brendan Moreno is more popular than Davis and Figueroa. 100%. He probably was before he won the title. Okay? Because nobody gives a shit. Finish, guys. And keep your fucking weird Joaquin Phoenix after winning a trophy speeches to yourself or do something significant in the octagon, okay? There's too many of these has-been or wannabe fucking fighters that are like, hey, guess what? My opinion matters. You're like, you barely can form a sentence, okay? How many times did you proofread? Because that looks perfect, my guy, and we know you don't talk like that, right? Too many of these guys just, it's getting, it's so cringe, dude, and I don't even like using that word, but it is. Okay, Nate Diaz, having so much clout that even other fighters are like, oh, shit, Nate want to fight or he got shit to do. Hey, Nate, 
fuck it is. Go make an energy drink. Go start a CB company. Get a podcast going. Stop fighting. I'm so sick of the name Diaz <laughs> in the world of MMA. Okay? No, I got a plan for Join, join one of those fucking fight leagues, man. Or the slap leagues. I mean, Anthony Pettis has in, in front of you. <laughs> Anthony Pettis has his own UFC organization now at this point, and he wasn't even that successful of a fighter, <laughs> but more successful than Nate Diaz. But I guarantee you there can be a Diaz FC as soon as they ask. Why don't you do that, Nate? We could give a fuck about seeing you fight again, dude. What is with your ass fans, Sam? These weird, because it's them. So there's too many of these fucking weird ass fans that are just fans of the the Diaz presence, where they will support him through fucking fire, and he's garbage. I don't give a fuck about him as a human being. I just don't think he's a fucking fair and no. worthwhile. I, I, who's paying kids, dude? When's the last time Diaz headlined a card? He's a Any fucking. Day. He's an ex fighter who doesn't train anymore and thinks he can come right in. Absolutely. And anyway. So, dude, I want to back you up a little bit. I want to talk about this whole uh, Davidson Figueredo. My thoughts exactly. I couldn't have said any better myself. The guy looks like a fucking monkey. It right. does nothing to do with, no matter what fucking color no, he so is, what we, color the fucking we... monkey is, get an albino monkey, he looks like it. Now, this whole fucking thing, it reminds me of Roseanne Barr, who I can't stand either, when she sure. called Valerie Jarrett, said something about her looking like Planet Apes. The bitch yeah. looks like she's from Planet of the Apes. It doesn't I mean, matter what fucking color she is. Absolutely. Okay. If it's spot on, how is that bad? <laughs> it's because here's the thing. If I saw it, somebody else did. I just said it. You know what I mean? There's no fucking way Davison Figueroa hasn't at some point in his life also been called called a monkey by somebody else that wasn't on the internet even. His friends probably are like, yeah, he's like a fucking tiny monkey guy. And, I mean, he's you know, he's five three. He's shredded as fuck. He, he carries oxes around his fucking backyard. He probably can climb a tree like a motherfucker as well. And you're gonna say he didn't do it shirtless. And also, aren't we all supposed to be descendants of monkeys if that's the weird thing you believe, right? And, and so also, all... what the fuck is he talking about anyway? Somebody from Moreno's team? Who gives a shit if somebody from his team did something? This is not Brandon yeah. Moreno. Fuck, dude. It, he's trying to get out of this fight. He saw Kaya Care France. Uh, looked um how would you say not fucking not not alive someone someone he could fight he does a fight an easy fight he could win uh or you know a, a easier challenge and so he wants that fight instead he might as well what? just fucking say it brandon moreno i hope he's all over this shit i hope he's calling him calling him out on his bullshit and he's like you're a fucking pussy you're afraid of me yep yep so, anyway. you, you want to somehow remain champion and have another Speaking of not boring fights, my God. I mean, history was made. Matt Brown, Brian Barberino, okay? What a fucking war, dude. What a war. <clears throat> and, hey, man, what did we expect? What did we expect? Did we think that – here's what pissed me off, though. This is one of those fights where I'm like, Barberino didn't win. This is, this, dude, this is the third fight on this card that I, I thought the judges got it wrong. This was the first one that was so obvious to me, though. Because of Matt Brown's takedowns, that alone won him the fight. He took Barbarina down, what, five times? Four times? Perfect. Okay? That used to score huge. I mean, if Khabib got four fucking takedowns in a fight, <laughs> you think they're giving a split decision to Connor? No. Okay? And he I'm took a- him down, and he did well. Matt Brown's cardio, what was in question here? He got tired. You could see him being tired. He was throwing less punches. And the punches he was throwing, he had everything on him. 
far and few between mm-hmm. rather than combinations. He'll put a lot on one that he saw wide open. Barbarina would just and then keep throwing punches. Barbarina could have won this fight. He could have finished him. It was just the being a veteran again, kicking into Matt Brown. Okay, it, it just it that shit showed up. You saw it in the final two rounds. I mean, after the first round, Matt Brown was tired, tired as fuck. But he kept you know using that front push kick to the body, keeping the distance, and eating punches that you're like, well, damn. I mean, those were hard punches. Barbarina mm-hmm. connected clean a lot, and Matt Brown didn't look phased. There was never one time in this fight where I saw Matt Brown wobble. No, but the, he was coming fight, forward after getting exactly. slammed straight in the mouth. And as a fight, as a fight fan, and watching so many fights, not even just Matt Brown fights, you're so used to seeing a guy get hit clean and at least have some sort of reaction. And Matt Brown didn't have none, and he was hit, hit clean too many fucking times to still. You know what I mean? He should have, and he just ate him and kept coming. You're like, he's four. Yeah. And I, I bet you those takedowns on Barbarina felt like an old, like felt like old man strength taking his ass down. Like I, think <laughs> I, I was gonna say, <laughs> like, some of those fucking way- takedowns were ridiculous. They were like pushdowns. Beautiful. He fucking just like pushed him by the shoulder, yeah. knocked oh, him yeah. straight down. Barbarina went down like like a piece of paper. And the like, way Matt like, Brown is damn, what, what if an actual fucking wrestler dove down and took you down? He's screwed. Because the, they were effortless. Impressive to me is the, the fact that Matt Brown doesn't even have the body type of somebody that has that type of a strength, but he has the face and body of like a. So you're like, yeah, this guy's had dad strength since he was like 17. I bet he's had chest hair since he was 13. You know what I mean? He's the first kid in fifth grade with a mustache. What the fuck's wrong with that guy? Oh, he's been raising himself since he, you know what I mean? He's raised by wolves or something. He's, a, he's awesome, dude. Just a fun, he's one of those guys that just has this of what MMA is. Mm-hmm. He carries himself with it and he's done it since day one. And his record is goddamn garbage, but he's still around, man, because of that. It's guys like this that I see very often the only one that i give that credit to at this point too and i don't like say dustin and give him credit for much i mean the guys i like that you can't shame a guy because you don't like him as a fight you wish other people would be you have to appreciate his ability to be in a fight bring a that's why i like chael you know he fucking was boring in the octagon for the most he's still gonna watch man because he he made lifted himself up somewhere like i I think this is gonna jump off the cage you know it's something crazy you know but uh, Justin Gaethje as well. You know, very Matt Brown spirited. Dude, I can just t- I can take you down and put you on your head. So it's a lot. Because I'm going to hit you. In the- and it's just, that's that's the spirit. Maybe not of just MMA, but it's taking that risk. Going in there, putting your gloves next to your chin and banging with them to see who's still standing. in the- And when that happens, more often than not, it's been so, I mean, remember when Minotaur Nogueira and Randy Couture grabbed the back of each other's heads? Bang, bang. Just, damn, uh, the other dude did that as well. Not Dan Severn. I Either way, we've seen that happen. Nobody ever goes to sleep like that. It's just so goddamn entertaining. You're like, that's a lot of punches. That hurts for sure. Um, anyways, next fight. Very impressed. Very impressed. I mean, this, I think I have a new fan. Not a fan. I think she has a new fan. Excuse me. It was a fan of us. Specifically just me. Maybe just me alone. But nonetheless, <laughs> was a, a problem. She is somebody that I think could be a contender very fast. I think she's got it in her. This is Shevchenko's weight class. Wrong? No, you're not wrong. I would actually, I was gonna ask you where you think she would go from here. Take on a Lauren Murphy, a Jessica Andrade, because you know th- I like that. this I was like that. this was her first ever submission win. Believe it or not. Yeah, she's got nasty hands. She's so mm-hmm. quick. She's very tackle, dude. I have not seen 
I, I, I guess I didn't really see very much of Alexa Grasso, you know, I'm every female fight. So I didn't know that she was this ability to take, she can do whatever she wants. And when you have that ability, you can make adjustments and, and essentially makes you uh, win rather than somebody has one thing that they keep falling back on, like a takedown. You know what I'm saying? Alexa Grasso will take key for her to get the victory. And I like that buddy in the top for sure. I think uh, Andre fight just due to the fact, see how she handles that. If she can keep, because she's, she's going to have to worry about that fight. Speaking of being well-rounded, Shevchenko's top of the line in MMA, I would say, through and through. As far as females are concerned, mm -hmm. definitely all very close. Top five, I'd say. She's in. But I think Alexa Grasso is, is somebody, and, and maybe not beat Shevchenko, but really bring something nobody else has. All right, man. Then the main event, and uh, Curtis Blades, a second-round knockout over Chris Dawkins. Where does Dawkins go from here? He's been knocked out twice in a row. You know, this guy... I thought he was an up-and-comer, man. I thought he was going to be a player in a heavyweight division. And, damn, I was wrong. So, <laughs> Well. And Curtis Blades, I mean, he, he looked pretty good. I think he might have fucked up by being noted. <laughs> I think once people started to realize Dawkins was, he started to get a following. He started Because when he first came in, you'd almost always go against him, Right? I felt like I had always picked the other guy because I didn't really pay attention to his finishing. No smile, no smirk, no excitement. Sleep a guy and then go home. And you're like, fuck was that? Who was that? And now that people know who he is, it, you know, I mean, he can't go out there and put fucking dance man with his friends. He doesn't have that kind of time. Champion. He's got to train all the time. He just was able to quit go. So it is that I'm kind of a, a I kind of inspire people. I'm from Philadelphia. I, I was a cop. There could be good what social medias he has. And if he's running them in pressure, man, being knocked out by Derek Lewis certainly adds to that as well. You know, and it just depends on how, how mentally you can take this. Because like I know, these guys aren't your average X, Y, and Z ver professional athlete. They are men with jobs and, and, and difficulties growing up. Women with how to conduct themselves. Chris Dawkins has more of an advantage being that he then becoming a fighter. There's also probably a stigma with that as well. They're like, oh, this fucking guy. Street for no reason. <laughs> whatever they could think, you know, just not. be ignorant, you know. So being a cop isn't all the craze at this point. But what I'm getting at is... And, and Chris Dawkins has never been really in that great. You know, he's always a little, you know, tough where you're like uh, some time off, really get into train, maybe try to get to two of, maybe try to get to a light heavyweight because the dude so fast for the heavyweight division that his power will transfer should be greater at 205 or something like that. I don't say that he was division. It is anyone can win a fight on any day, right? That's what it mm. is. Blades, no matter how much he has a stutter, he's just not that as a fighter, he's not very fun to watch. You know, I've never like, well, let's go, Kurt Amex. Let's hell yeah, dude. But against JDS and by God, watch, except for when he got knocked out. Nonetheless, I do like swings at nothing. And let's go. Um, so, so I got a plan for Dawkins. Either you give him two options. It's me running the league. You give him two options. Say, hey, uh, move down to light heavyweight and put him against uh, Johnny Walker. That, that'll that get him back on track. Johnny Walker's just going to stand and look at him. I know yeah. he's got the height and all that shit, but. You know, lately he hasn't done anything. Or yeah. stay at heavyweight and put him against like Walt Harris. See what he's got against him. I think that'll be an interesting matchup. But uh, and see if he gets knocked out again or if he moves on. But uh, yeah. The other thing, people are making an argument constantly <clears throat> that there's something significant about this heavyweight division right now, and there we're is. constantly we're constantly <laughs> fighting against that and saying how. I mean, the, the top four guys maybe. But even the idea, you'd have to throw in John Jones to make it that interesting. 
because and he hasn't fought in forever, not even once a heavyweight yet. What's he gonna say? Um, what are you doing with blades? Because, I mean, he it, can't sell himself, dude. He got knocked out against Derek Lewis, just like uh, Dawkins did. So, what do you do with him? I mean, you have him fight a uh, maybe a Tom Aspinall. I look. This this I think was a fight because eighty one percent went with Curtis Blades against Chris Dawkins because they just saw him lose and Curtis Blades is sort of more well rounded you know he'll take him down but we didn't even see that attempted and what have I want to see more heavyweight fighters dude because it, there's be nice. these top guys are too difficult I think right now for Dawkins he was doing fine against the lower tier guys mm. but he came up in in the and it's just more I don't know dude. It's the same thing you have to say about Curtis Blades. He doesn't make an interesting matchup against anybody. He doesn't make a sellable fight against anyone. Francis Ngannou, boring. Derek Lewis again, boring. None of this shit's... And even if he Curtis Blades was to win, he would be boring doing it. There's nothing about him that makes me like, oh, well, thank God he put out a video talking about how bad he wants it. Buddy, you've been around long enough to want it bad enough. And just because you keep saying it doesn't make you any more of an entertaining fighter when you're in there. And sometimes I guess we have to see that as a champion. Sometimes we get champions that are just champion, like Glover Teixeira. Where are you, guy? How long do you get to take off just holding on to the belt? Until you're 46? What's happening? What's going on? (laughs) Why is there no promotion of the fact that he's champ, right? What about the fact that Aljamain Sterling has somehow got a belt? No one mentions that except for Mm -hmm. himself. What's going? You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. these guys, they don't. Of course, you want to have them have a personality, but it is all sort of around the idea of like in the cage behind the UFC banner. It's not, hey, I did a dance video with my two friends in my living room. Isn't that cool on TikTok? Like that shit's not impressive, man. Yeah, you can get a following there, but all the talking should be done within that cage, within that octagon. Everything that we should know about you and want to think about you and believe about you and, and, and praise about you should be done in the cage. That's where the talking and all that shit should be done. It's not anywhere else. We don't give a fuck if you have 200 million followers on on Twitter, Nate Diaz. That shit's not impressive to real fight fans. We could give a fuck about your day-to-day life. Just like any celebrity. We don't give a fuck how sad Will Smith's life is just because he cries during a fucking trophy ceremony. Nobody real, No real people give a fuck about that, dude. You are to entertain us. Dance. Um... It was more of a reference back to Diego. I'm, I'm dead serious. I meant Davidson. <laughs> so, I wanted to say puppet, but monkey sounded so much better in my head. All right. Well, folks, we're going to get out of here. Don't yeah, leave bro. it to the judges.